good Thursday evening to everyone. So this evening we will be <coughs> finishing our discussion on Madhurya Kadamani. We got a glimpse of what's possible, two glimpse from our limited perspective of the situation of someone who's perfected their spiritual life through by going step by step through the stages of uh, devotional practice, starting with Shraddha, initial Shraddha, and uh, ending with praying. Well, we'll discuss a little bit about the stages within praying this evening, uh, and read a little bit more of Vishwanath's a poetic description of the mentality of someone who's attained this stage that can't really be described by even the greatest poet, which he admits himself. But still, he does a pretty bang-up job of it, in my estimation. He gives us some indication as to what is that uh, state like. It's, of course, indescribable, but Still, we can put it in a perspective as to devotional practice and uh, and the mentality of that devotee who is free of all traces of uh, passion and ignorance and has even gone beyond all traces of uh, material goodness uh, and arrived at the, uh, the door of Raj and uh, been uh, very gently grabbed and pulled within. I thought we'd start, though, by pointing out a verse that Vishwanath himself composed in regards to the stages of devotional advancement. Now, everything that we've been presented here has been in accordance with Rupa Goswami's verses, and in Rupa Goswami's two verses, he outlines that there's nine stages of devotional practice beginning with Shraddha, Adao, Shraddha, Tata Sadhu, uh, coming in contact with the Sadhu, uh, Sangha, Bhajana, Kriya, Sangha of the devotees, Sadhus, entering into their practice, Bhajana Kriya, as that practice progresses, it's cleansing the heart, and uh, that stage going on, of course, Bhajan never leaves, Bhajana Kriya. We're always engaged in Bhajan. So. But there's that stage of after we've begun the Bhajan, there's this cleansing of the heart. Uh, Anartha Nivriti, all the Narthas are dispensed with uh, primarily in this stage, at least those Anarthas which are uh, coming from our material entanglement. There are also some anarthas regarding our conceptions of what is spiritual life, which must be retired. There's anarthas that can come, which are a carryover from a material life, but we bring them into spiritual life, uh, uh, coming based on our false ego. Uh, we may think ourselves uh, in, a, in a superior position, uh, and unfortunately that leads to, the, to a mad elephant, uh, coming into our garden where we think that we can uh, uh, place, use our material facility, our mind, or, or our facility to, to judge a Vaishnav, and that we cannot do. Uh, and uh, Vishwadas extremely firm in that regard in his Madhurya Kandamani, even going so far as to point out that when we talk, when we say the word sadhu, that encompasses anyone who's taken shelter of Krishna. And when we look at Sri Chaitanya's verse uh, regarding ultimate humility, I mean the stage of humility that the, that the devotee takes on uh, in order to culture uh, a true consciousness that allows him to enter into service uh, to the Supreme, it's not only the sadhus he has to be careful of, he's careful of every living entity. So we see these examples of these devotees in their life, they would not even 
step on an ant, even if they're carrying the king on a palaquin. <laughs> or they, uh, uh, such mentality is there. So, great care is there in the Anartha Nivriti stage. The Anarthas related to the body are practically entirely entirely removed. And then we come to the stage of steadiness in practice, followed by a stage of relish for the practice itself, becoming more and more, uh, more and more focused on the object of worship. First we just want to do good worship. So that's the stage of ruchi. There's a sweetness in the in the practice itself. And as that as that becomes richer in the devotee's life, a sakti comes where the 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 object is no longer the conducting my worship properly, but it's actually the worshipable object and trying to to uh, attain the Supreme Lord, uh, do all all of our service favorably in a way that's that's pleasing to him, and uh, what is the third? It's not coming to me. Attain the Lord, uh, do service that's pleasing, and uh, we'll come to that anyway. So this is the stage of Asakti. Mm. This is followed by Bhava. Bhava is that stage where uh, the first the flower is coming. The first glimmer of, of spiritual light is truly is coming. Uh, like the rising of the sun. Followed by praying, which is the the goal. Um, we won't enter into the discussion this evening, but there is uh, because they say that bhava is the goal of of sadhana. Uh, therefore, uh, Rupa Goswami in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu points out that. Uh, that pray that the stage of bhava is a little interesting in that because it's referred to in the scripture as the goal of sadhana, it's a sadhya, but it's not really the full manifestation of the goal, which is praying. So, uh, as we go forward, maybe we'll study some deeper understandings of the bhakti rasamrita sindhu and understand this unique this uniqueness of the stage of bhava it's it's spiritual it's it's the goal but it's it's also not the goal so it has a unique in between position but i wanted to start tonight and first of all we see that Vishwanath's deep appreciation for Rupa Goswami is there in the fact that he follows these verses from Bhakti Rasam Rita Sindhu as the as the template upon which this particular presentation is is uh, is put forth. Uh, this verse, Adal Ta Sadhu. But interesting enough, he wrote his own verse regarding the advancing stages of devotional practice. And uh, he placed that verse in the first his commentary on the Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, in the very first canto, second chapter, his commentary for this twenty-first verse, uh, he gives his own verse: "Satam Kripa Mahatseva Shraddha Guru Padarshraya Bajaneshu Spriha Bhaktir Anartha." Pagamastata Nista Ruchir Athasakti Rati Prema Tha Darsanam Harir Madurianubhava It Yartha Shus Chatudase. Instead of nine steps, he breaks it down into fourteen steps. So he, he it's interesting. He's taken Rupa's steps are there. But he's added added five more. So his fourteen steps are this: 
mercy of the devotees, service to devotees, faith, so there we start with Shraddha, so he's put two at the beginning, then he goes to faith, surrender to the guru, which would be Sadhu Sangha, then desire for worship, then bhakti, clearance of anarthas, nista, ruchi, asakti, reti, prem, then after prem he goes on to say seeing the Lord and experiencing the Lord's sweetness. So he's added five things, two at the beginning, mercy of the devotees and surrender to the devotees. So what do we see that as in spiritual life? Before we come to having any faith, ajato sukriti, correct. Ajato sukriti is what? The devotee extends us mercy before we even know it. He's extending some mercy and we're doing some unknown service to that saintly person. He may simply say, get out of my way, and we move. Ajata Sukriti. He's taken mercy just speaking to us because of his <laughs> because of his position. Or you open the door, or in some way you do something for the sadhu. And unbeknownst to you, that unknown service which he is ex- he, he results in him extending mercy or because he puts mercy first his the sadhu's mercy is there and we do something to receive it or it's his mercy that he lets us do something for him whatever it's unknown to us then he goes on with this with what rupa's put forth faith shraddha surrender to the guru Sadhu Sangha. Then we come to Bhajana Kriya. But before Bhajana Kriya, he's added another, his third item. His third item has been added here before Bhakti or Bhajana Kriya. Desire for worship or hearing. So he added that we desire some, that some intent comes into us after we surrender to the Guru. We surrender to the guru, and then what? And then there's some intent. Now, again, coming through the mercy of the spiritual master, of the guru. Then, bhakti, or bhajana kriya, clearance of anarthas, anartha nivritti, nista, ruchi, asakti, prem. Then he adds two at the end. After one has attained prem, then he sees the Lord, personally sees him. And that's where we're going to take off tonight. We've, we've got a taste at the end of last class of in the person in frame is what? Well, all I, could, I can think of a song from my early days. I don't know if many of you are familiar with it or all of you are but it was by John Denver. And he had these lyrics, he says uh, in this song, he says, uh, you fill up my senses. You fill up my senses. Anyone familiar with that song? No? No, you'll have to Google it. Like a crystal clear. Anyway, you can listen to it. It's kind of nice. He's He's a... a naturalist, naturalist, nature lover, uh, uh, gentle soul. But anyway, that's a nice song. You fill up my senses, and uh, that's kind of what I think of when I was reading those those descriptions last week. When upon seeing the Lord, your whole mm-hmm. the whole body became eyes. Upon smelling His fragrance, the whole body became noses and upon then you faint 
because it's just overwhelming. You can't take it, and then what? You're woken, and then what? Krishna's. You hear his voice. Wake up. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so, uh, Krishna fills up your senses. So, seeing the Lord and then experiencing his sweetness. And that's what we were talking about. So, I thought I'd, I'd, I'd start with that. That Vishwanath wrote his own voice, verse where he, he adds a few things, he elaborates upon what Rupa's given us. Again, at the beginning of the fourth swoon, so we were talking about this passing out, having some experience of the Lord's personal form, seeing him and then smelling him and, and hearing him. At the beginning of the fourth great swoon, the Lord shows his fifth sweetness. The taste of the nectar of his lips becomes perceivable to the devotee's tongue. But this he reveals only to those who are in the amorous relation with him, not to any other devotee. Well, actually, one other devotee comes to mind. And those ones in the amorous pastime with the Lord are a little bit upset about, the, and they envy that position. A sweetness that comes from what? Venu Madhurya. So this is one of Krishna's sweetnesses. And they're like, what are you doing? This, this piece of wood, a bamboo shoot grows in the muddy part of the river, <laughs> is getting the sweetness of the lips and we're not tasting that sweetness. And that, that little piece of Plant is it is is on his lips all day long. So uh, there are some other devotees that are tasting that sweetness from time to time, or in this instance, continually. After that, just like in the previous times, the ecstatic swoon is very deep. There being no other way to awaken him, the Lord reveals his sixth sweetness, his generosity. This is the state where all the Lord's attributes, like beauty, forcefully manifest simultaneously to the devotee's senses, like the eyes. At the time, Prem gets the hint from the Lord to increase immensely and thus accordingly increase the devotee's sacred thirst. There's not enough that you've, that you've fainted repeatedly. It's not enough that he's filled all of your senses in every way, and all of your senses have become one sense so that you can taste that sweetness. That's not enough for Krishna. He's been away from you far too long. He's so happy to have you back that he just, he combines it all together and gives it to you again in one big package. This is again as poetry. We can't really explain these things, but we can get some idea of what's going on through Vishnu's words here. Thus becomes, and this accordingly increases the devotee's sacred thirst. Prem thus becomes like the moon, simultaneously creating hundreds of waves on the ocean of the devotee's ecstasy and causing friction that is deeply striking. He goes on to say a little later, he extends an unprecedented wonder so that the devotee's aggregate of senses turn into eyes, ears, etc., at the same time, to make this relish very deep and blissful. Such an inconceivable thing is not perceived through mundane logic. It is to be experienced only. 
What are we waiting for? Mercy. <laughs> After that, the devotee becomes like a chataka bird. Chataka bird, eager to relish all the Lord's sweetness at once. But he fails to catch each raindrop in his beak. So seeing this, the Lord thinks to himself, Aho! Why am I having so much sweetness in me? And he extends his seventh sweetness, his compassion, just to let the devotee relish all of his sweetness at once. Being subdued by his Kripa Shakti, the Lord's attribute, named affection for his devotees, rules like an emperor over all other auspicious attributes like truthfulness and cleanliness. So, Krishna's unlimited mercy to share his sweetness is reign supreme. There is a lot here and we won't be able to go into everything. I want to concentrate on some of the important items but a little bit more poetry before we get to that now the Lord is, is showing some appreciation and we can see from Vishwanath's explanations here that we're talking about this this first experience of having the vision of the Supreme Lord at the stage of praying and experiencing the sweetness of the Lord. So those two items that Vishwanath was talking about that he added to the step-by-step the -step progression are, are put forth here. So the devotee speaking, but when I hear the best of lords say, I have become a debtor to you, I become bewildered, bewildered and think to myself, what shall I do? Five, seven, eight... No, a hundred million offenses dwell in me. Now I consider it arrogant even to beg your pardon. The devotees experienced the Lord and now it's he's he's overwhelmed with how how is this possible? He, the level of humility of someone who's had this experience overwhelms him, and now he's overwhelmed by his own good fortune to the point where he, he can't comprehend it. Eight, no, a hundred million offenses dwell in me. Now I consider it arrogant even to beg your pardon. This is interesting. This is fun. I think I have committed even more than a trillion offenses. And each of these offenses was very grave. Let me suffer the remaining part of the reactions to them I shall not beg for any amnesty. Now I understand the offenses I committed just the other day by comparing your limbs with a fresh rain cloud. Blue lotus and sapphire, your feet with the moon and your feet with fresh sprouts. It is like comparing a gold mountain with half a sesame seed. <laughs> A chintamani gem with a chickpea. A lion with a jackal or Garuda with a fly. That was so foolish that I committed great offenses. By offering such worldly praise to the Lord, now my foolish poetry is praised by people at large. Again, Vishwanath bringing out the point you can't express. I, here I, I'm a devotee and I've, I've, I've rendered some literatures. I've written about, you know, I've put forth some kind of description of what the Lord's form is like, what His potencies are like, what His, his sweetness is like. <coughs> and now I've experienced that sweetness and I realize it's what this is everything I did was worthless you can't I can't put into words what the experience is like 
And in even just trying to put it in words, I must have been offensive a trillion times over. But the people of the world are praising my writing. What's that about? Now that I have seen your divine form with my very eyes, for even a fraction of a second, I understand that my words of comparison are like the teeth of a restless, chased-up cow that thus tried to pollute the wish-yielding vine of your beauty, but wasn't able to. Restless, chased-up cow. That's what it says. What the translation should have been, or if that is adequate, I'm not qualified to say. In this way, the devotee laments in many ways, and the Lord is very pleased with him and shows him as far as possible according to the devotee's own mood like the amorous one the super excellent Rasika Srivandavan the wish yielding trees the great yoga pith the daughter of Sri Vrishabhanu his most beloved her girlfriends like Sri Lalita her merge servants his friends like Sri Subal so the Lord is introducing his new associate to the Vraj and to all of his friends and all of the places. A little while later, the devotee regains consciousness. And praise again for the darshan of the Lord. Then he opens his eyes, opens his eyes, and fails to see the Lord. He showers himself in his own tears, and thinks to himself, "Have I just witnessed a dream? No, no. Otherwise, I could see signs of it on the bed, and in my eyes." Then, was it someone's magic spell? No, no, such ecstasy could never be an illusion. Then was it an error of my consciousness? That is also not possible. Otherwise, I would have experienced obstacles like lion, vixapa. Or is it perhaps the fructification of one of my subtle yearnings? No, no, because none of my secret wishes could ever reach up to such boundaries. Then it was perhaps a direct vision of the Lord. No, that is also not possible, because I remember all my previous visions, and this one was very special indeed. Then again he sadly says, Alas, by the grace of the crown jewels of great and deeply realized devotees, I have seen this wonderful form. I am so unfortunate that I was never acquainted with the Lord before even slightly. I suppose that this has happened as the result of some causeless mercy at some time on such an ocean of faults as myself. So the humility, again, is being expressed here by Vishwanath of someone that he's thinking, even though he's painstakingly gone through the practice of sadhana bhakti, attained the, the fruit of bhava bhakti, and now somehow or other had darshan with the Lord personally, and tasted his sweetness, he's thinking, this is not something that is the result of or a fruit of my endeavors. So, 
it's 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 only the result of some blessing coming from some devotee of the Lord because there is no qualification in me that would allow me to have this. Vishwanath, again, near the end of this explanation of praying bhakti, he quotes the verse of Rupa Goswami. He says, Adao Shradatata Sadhu Sangotha Bhajana Kriya Tato Nartha Nivritis Cha Tato Nista Ruchis Tata Atha Saktis Tato Bhavas Tato Prema Bhyadanshati Ichyartha Sadhu Vivrita First there is faith, then one associates with saints, then one engages in bhajan, then one becomes free from bad habits. Then one becomes fixed in bhajan. Then one attains deep taste. Then one becomes attached to the object of worship. Then one attains bhava. And then prema awakens. Thus the scriptures have justly described the course of devotional practice. Above that there are even more juicy fruits. Sometimes they market things in accordance with. In the wish yielding vine of devotion, namely, I'll just name a few here. We're not going to discuss them. Sneha, Mana, Pranaya, Rag, Anurag, and Mahabhav. But. <laughs> goes on to say this material body of the practitioner is unable to tolerate the heat cold or collisions of relishing this treasure therefore they cannot possibly manifest in this body so it's kind of living in the scope of Madhurya Kadamani I'll take you up to the point where you're ready to give up your material body so these other fruits are there but the a material body cannot cannot approach these higher levels of spiritual emotional exchange uh, in the transcendental realm for this reason they have not been described here but in this treatise ascertainment of stages like Ruchi, Asakti, Bhava and Prem and their direct experience have been described so he's basically saying in this book I'm, I'm explaining when you say prame yes there's a, there's the there is the the fruit of the devotional practices coming in prame and as the prame advances the devotee is no longer situated in material life um, then he goes on and this is an interesting thing when you explain, he says, he saying, says here, when we talk about these stages of advanced spiritual practice, there's sufficient evidence to support everything I've said here. But he says, although dependence on scriptural evidence may make the path of direct experience harsh, Still, in case someone may depend or rely on evidence, it is given below. So he's telling the reader, all right, there may be some of you in the audience that don't think that what I've said here can be supported. Well, I just didn't want to make the the presentation so harsh as to you know, make it so scientific that I, I have to pull out every single verse to support every single stage of devotional advancement. Do you really want that? All right. And then what he does is he gives little snippets of the verses that can be looked at as evidence. All right, if you need the evidence, if you're that kind of a devotee who needs evidence for every little thing. Okay, I understand that. 
and I'm your servant. Let me give it to you. So he goes on to say, hmm. This verse from Srimad Bhagavatam describes Ruchi. Guneshu saktam bandaya ratimvai pumsi muktaye. This verse describes a sakti. Priya, and he goes on and on, and he quotes verses all from the Srimad Bhagavatam to support all the stages of advancing devotional practice. He scientifically, but he doesn't. He doesn't say this is from Srimad Bhagavatam here. Here, for us, the commentator uh, in this particular version that I'm using for this series of classes has brought out every single verse, put it there, put the Sanskrit there, put the English translation and where it's located in, and the context. So, if any of you are so harsh as to require that. I can give you a copy of the book. Uh, I'm not going to burden you this evening with that. And Vishwanathswag, I'm not going to. I didn't burden you in this text with that. I wanted to give you the essence in a very sweet way. That that's my title, Madhurya Kadambani. It's a book to give you the sweetness of the rain crowds of the practice of devotion as enunciated in our lineage. He concludes this particular section by saying, these verses can be researched for evidence of the different conditions, if you so desire. And you should probably do that. He doesn't say you shouldn't. He didn't want to write a whole Bhagavatam. This is a little booklet called Madhurya Kadambani, explaining two little verses from one big book. So it's it's unpacking a lot. So those explanations are there from all these different verses, explaining all the different stages of progressive spiritual life. He concludes with two little explanations to give us some perspective as from material to spiritual. We've heard before what? This material world is a perverted reflection of the spiritual world. We just don't have things lined up properly. So he explains that here at the end of his book. Let me put this in perspective for you. Its principle is as follows. Ahankara has two a- aspects. Ahankara is what? False, False ego. False ego. Has two aspects. Ahamta, self-identification, and mamata, possessiveness. They disappear through the development of spiritual knowledge. So, false ego is dissipated as we acquire knowledge, gyan, of ourself, according to scriptures coming from Krishna himself. You're not this body. Never was a time that I did not exist, nor you, nor all these kings. As the body continually passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age, at the end it goes into another body. So, you're identifying with dead matter, ahankara, in two aspects. Self-identification, myself is this, and this is mine. They disappear through the development of spiritual knowledge. Then the conditioned soul attains liberation. If he is situated in life centered around his body and house, he is conditioned. Then he goes on. I belong to the Lord. I am his servant. The Lord with his associates, his form and qualities is an ocean of transcendental sweetness. The Lord is my worshipable person and the object of my service. In this way, he, 
who was misidentifying with false ego develops pure ego. He identifies himself ahamta with the associates of the Lord and he considers the form of the Lord the object of his possession, mamata. At the end of this whole thing, he explains it's just a matter of your perception. All this was meant to bring you from false ego to what is spiritual ego. Spiritual ego means I my I I conceive of myself as one of the associates of the Lord. That's where I am. That's who I am. These are my people. And the Lord is what? He is my possession. He is me. I am his, but we are and we are in love, but we are also separate. But I possess him. So a possessiveness is there in praying. Except when he disappears and then I possess him, but he that's another thing. Way above my pay grade. Actually this praying is far more wonderful than either bondage or liberation. And hence, it was given the title Crown Jewel of Human Pursuits. So you've made it. We've gone through this. Now I've given you the stages. Now I'm telling you it's simply a matter of correcting your perspective. That's what this whole treatise is about. Let me tell you who you really are. You're an associate of Krishna. And he is yours. In this stage, both self-identification and possessiveness are minimal in the spiritual sense and the maximal, maximal in the mundane. Well, that sentence doesn't... I should have pulled that up. Scratch that. <laughs> when thus Bhajan Kriya commences... When, when thus Bhajan Kriya commences, one meditates on the Lord while there is only a momentary whiff left over of other topics. When Nista comes to being, other topics are only just like a shadow. When Ruchi awakens, this meditation is devoid of ulterior subjects and lasts for long periods. In the stage of Asakti, this meditation is very deep. In Bhava, there is mere meditation and the Lord appear, appears in visions in Prema these visions become detailed and the true vision of the Lord takes place so he's, summer, he's giving just a, a synopsis this is as you go through these stages this dissolving of the false ego is coming like this this letting go of the material conception of life is 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 experienced in this way and your attainment of spiritual consciousness and spiritual identity is coming to you in these in this way through the stages he ends by giving his readers a benediction may this Madhurya Kadamani or cloud bank of sweetness which is showered from the ocean of sweetness, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, satisfy the world. To paraphrase, by the grace of Srila Gora Sundar, may this whole world, which is continuously scorched, by the fire of the threefold material miseries, be satisfied and soothed by the nectar shower emanating from this amazing cloud bank of sweetness which is arising from the ocean of Mahaprabhu's pastimes.
I want to give one other little definition in closing just to close out this section on praying. And this is Rupa Goswami's verse from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu to give us an idea of the distinction between the stage of bhava and the stage of praying. When bhava becomes extremely condensed, this is his verse, samyan mashrinita swanto. When bhava becomes extremely condensed, it is called praying by the learned. It softens the heart completely and produces extreme possessiveness of the Lord in the experiencer. And Vishwanath's commentary in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu to this particular verse. Having explained Bhava, the author now explains praying. In praying, the heart becomes extremely soft in comparison to the preliminary condition of Bhava, in which the heart becomes soft. Moreover, Prem is condensed bliss, the highest state of bliss, compared to the preliminary state of Bhava, which has the preliminary appearance of bliss. Prema also has extreme possessiveness of Krishna. That type of Bhava is called Prem. Then Vishwanath in this particular commentary to Rupa's verse goes on to explain how the different stages and emotional aspects of one's spiritual practice are not left behind. What that means is as the sadhaka, as we progress from devotional service in practice to devotional service in ecstasy to devotional service in pure love all of the spiritual emotion that comes to us as we advance is kept intact and our experiences just become richer it's not like this, the different emotional aspects, the bhava rupa of, this, of our practice. It's not that those things are left behind. And Vish, what Vishwanath does is he explains it's just like the sweetness of Krishna as he, in his... Uh, manifest pastimes. When he comes, he appears to advance through different ages. Right? So, first we have the Kumara age, the Bagunda age, the Kushura age. But the sweetness that's experienced in the Kumara age doesn't go away. Krishna just gets sweeter in the Palgunda stage and even more sweeter in the Kishora age so the sweetness is becoming more and more condensed so similarly our practice simply is uh, and our experience our spiritual emotions as we advance through the various stages of practice are like that it's simply our practice will become more and more rich and fulfilling to us so it's not that different stages are left behind and he also touches upon one other aspect which I'll end with this evening and that is the emotional aspect of 
one's relationship with the Supreme Lord, although we have our emotional aspect, we also, in the association of those who have a different relationship, we can also taste that relationship. So it's uh, it's a very, very unique thing when we talk about spiritual emotion and how how one experiences uh, that emotion and how one advances in devotional life and those emotions are, are, are kept intact and they become foundational moving forward. So I'll end there with our discussion of Madhurya Kadambani. Uh, we've given in excess of 40 lectures mm-hmm. I hope we've brought some of the meaning out in some way through all that. Uh, if I had some qualification, we could have done it a lot quicker. But Does anybody have any questions? Just one. This isn't the end of it, is it? <laughs> the end of what? Yes, it's the end of my lectures on it. Yes, there are. You can listen to them online if you want to hear them again. We're going to move on to some other uh, texts that uh, I've been requested to uh, to go through. What is it? Uh, yeah, what's the next one? Uh, it'll be uh, Bhaktivinoda's text. Uh, I think it's called Bhaktiyaloka. It's also a preliminary guide of advancing devotional practice. So, any questions? Thank you for your association. Hare Krishna.